0: leave two of the melting of molly this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org recording by ellie the melting of molly by maria thompson davis leave two a love letter loaded the very first page in this red book is the fifth it says breakfast one slice of dry toast one egg fruit and a small cup of coffee no sugar no cream and me with two Jersey cows full of the richest cream in Hillsborough, out in my meadow. Dinner, one small lean chop, slice of toast, spinach, a lettuce salad, no sweet or dessert. My poultry yard is full of fat little chickens, and I wish I were a sheep. If I have to eat lettuce and spinach for grass, at least I'd have more than one chop inside me then. Supper, slice of toast and an apple. Why an apple? Why supper at all? Oh, I'm hungry, hungry, until I cry in my sleep when i dream about the muffin i thought at first the getting out of bed before my eyes are fairly open and turning myself into a circus acrobat by doing every kind of overhand foot arm and leg contortion that the mind of a cruel man could invent to torture a human being with would kill me before i had been at it a week but when i read on page sixteen that as soon as all that horror was over i must jump right into a tub of cold water i kicked metaphorically speaking and i have been kicking ever since literally to keep from freezing but as cruel as freezing is it doesn't compare to the tortures of being melted jane administers it to me and her faithful heart is so wrung with compassion that she perspires almost as much as i do she brings a linen sheet out in a cold room of hot water and shrouds me in it and then more and more blanket windings envelop me until i am like the mummy of some egyptian giantess once i got so discouraged at the idea of having all this misery in this life that i mingled tears with the beads of perspiration that rolled down my cheeks and she snatched me out of those streaming wrappings in less time than it takes to tell it soothed me in a tub of cold water fed me with a chicken wing and mashed potatoes and the information that i was good-looking enough for anybody to eat up a life without this foolishness all in a very few seconds now i have to beg her to help me and i heard her tell her nephew who does the gardening that she felt like an undertaker with such goings on at any rate if it all kills me it won't be my fault if people tell untruth in saying that i was beautiful in death but now that more than a month has passed i really don't mind it so much i feel so strong and frenzy all the time that i can't keep from bubbling i have to smile at myself then another thing that helps is billy and his ball i could never really play ball with him before and now i can't help it but an awful thing happened about that yesterday we were in the garden playing over by the lilac bushes and billy always beats me because when it goes down the slope he throws himself down and rolls over on the grass i went after him and what did billy do but begin the kind of a tussle we always have in the big armchair in the living room billy chuckled and squealed while i laughed myself all out of breath and then looking right over my front hedge i discovered judge wade i wish i could write down how i felt for i never had that sensation before and i don't believe i'll ever have it again i've always thought that judge wade was really the most wonderful man in hillsborough not because he is a judge so young in life that there is only a white sprinkle in his lovely black hair that grows back of his head like napoleon's and charles wesley's but because of his smile which you wait for so long that you glow all over when you get it i have seen him do it once or twice at his mother when he seats her in their pew at church and once at little mamie johnson when she gave him a flower through the fence as he passed by one day last week but i never thought i should have one all to myself but there it was—a most beautiful one, long and slow, and distinctly mine. At least I didn't think much of it was for Billy. I sat up and blushed as red all over as I do when I first hit the tub of cold water. I hope you will forgive an intruder, Mrs. Carter. But how could a mortal resist a peep into such a fairy garden if he spied the queen and her fawn at play? He said in a voice as wonderful as the smile. By that time, I had pushed in all my hairpins. Billy stood spread-legged as far in front of me as he could get and said, in the proudest possible tone of voice, Get away from my molly man! I never was so mortified in all my life, and I scrambled to my feet and came over to the hedge to get between him and Billy. It's a lovely day, isn't it? Judge Wade? I asked, with the greatest interest, which I didn't really feel in the weather. But what could I think of to say, a woman is apt to keep the image... For a good many of grand men she sees passing around her in queer niches of her brain and when one steps out and speaks to her for the first time it is confusing of course i've known that judge and his mother all my life for she is one of aunt adeline's best friends but i had a feeling from the look in his eye that that very minute was the first time he had ever seen me it was lovely and i still blush more as i put my hand on my cheek so that i wouldn't have to look right at him "'About the loveliest day that ever happened in Hillsborough,' he said, "'and there was still more of the delicious smile, "'though I hadn't noticed it so especially until. "'But I never knew what he had intended to say, "'for Billy suddenly swelled up like a little turkey cock "'and cut out his switch at the judge. "'Go away, man, and let my Molly alone,' he said in a perfect, thunder tone of voice, and I almost laughed, "'for it had such a sound in it, like Dr. John's, "'at his most positive times with Billy and me. "'No, no, Billy.' the judge is just looking over the hedge at our flowers don't you want to give him a rose i hurried to say as the smile died out of judge wade's face and he looked at billy intently how much like john moore the youngster is he said and his voice was so cold to billy that it hurt me and i was afraid billy would notice it coldness in people's voices always makes me feel just like ice cream tastes but billy's answer was still more rude you'd better go man before I bring my father to set our dog on you he exploded and before I could stop him his thin little legs were trundling down the garden path toward home then the judge and I both laughed we couldn't help it the judge leaned farther over the fence and i went a little nearer before i knew it you don't need to keep a personal dog do you mrs carter he asked with a twinkle that might have been a spark in his eye and just at that moment another awful thing happened aunt edlin came out of the front door and said in the most frozen voice of tone mary i wish to speak to you in the house and then she walked back through the front door without ever looking in judge wade's direction though he had waved his hat with one of his mother's own smiles when he had seen her before i did one of my most impossible habits is when there is nothing else to do i laugh i did it then and it saved the day for we both laughed into each other's eyes and before we realized it we were within whispering distance no i don't don't need a dog i said softly hardly glancing out from under my lashes because i was afraid to risk looking straight at him so soon i could fairly feel aunt Edeline's eyes boring into my back it would take the hydra-headed monster off may i bring my mother to call on you and the mrs henderson he asked and put the wonderful smile all over me again i almost caught my breath i do wish you would aunt Edeline is so fond of mrs wade i said in a positive flutter that i hope he didn't see but i am afraid he did for he hesitated as if he wanted to say something to calm me then bowed mercifully and went on down the street he didn't put on the hat he had held in his hand all the while he stood by the hedge until he had looked back and bowed again then i felt still more fluttered as i went into the house but i received the third cold plunge of the day when i reached the front hall mary said aunt adeline in a voice it sounded as if it had been buried and never resurrected. If you are going to continue in such an unseemly course of conduct, I hope you will remove your mourning, which is an empty mockery and an insult to my own widowhood. Yes, Aunt Edling, I'll take it off this minute. I heard myself answer her airily, to my own astonishment. I might have known that if I would ever get one of those smiles, it would go to my head. Without another word I sailed into my room and closed the door softly slowly i unbuttoned the black dress that symbolized the ending of six years of the blackness and the rosy dimpling thing in snowy lingery with tags of blue ribbon that stood in front of my mirror was as newborn as any other hour-old similar bundle of linen and lace in hillsborough fortunately an old white lawn dress could be pulled from the top shelf of the cupboard in a hurry and the molly that came out of the room was ready for life and a lot of it and again fortunately aunt adeline had retired with a violent headache and jane was carrying her in a hot water bottle with a broad smile on her face jane sees the world from the kitchen window and understands everything she had laid a large thick letter on the hall table where i couldn't fail to see it i took possession of it and carried it to a bench in the garden that backs up against the purple sprayed lilacs and is flanked by two rows of tall purple and white irises that stand in line ready for a virginia reel with a delicate row of poet's narcissus across the broad path. i love my flowers i love them swaying with their stems in the wind and i like to snatch them and crush the life out of them against my breast and face i have been to bed every night this spring with a bunch of cold violets against my cheek and i feel that i am going to dance with my tall row of hollyhocks as soon as they are old enough to hold up their heads and take notice. They always remind me of very stately gentlemen, and I've wondered if the little narcissus weren't shaking the ruffles at them. A real love letter ought to be like a cream puff with a drop of dynamite in it. Alfred's was that kind. I felt warm and happy down to my toes as I read it and turned round so that old lilac bush couldn't peep over my shoulder at what he said. He wrote from Rome this time, where he had been sent on some sort of diplomatic mission to the Vatican, and his letter about the ancient city on her seven hills was a prose poem in itself. I was so interested that I read on and on and forgot it was almost toast-apple time. Of course, anybody that is anybody would be interested in Father Tiba and the old Colosseum, but what made me forget about the slice of dry toast and the apple was the way he seemed to be connecting me up with all those wonderful old antiquities that had never even seen me because of me he had felt and written that poem descriptive of old tiber and the moonlight had lit up the colosseum just because i was over here lighting up hillsborough of course that is not the way he put it all but there is no place to really copy what he did say into his ink book and anyway that is the sentiment he expressed boiled down and sugared over that's just what i mean Laugh boiled down and sugared over is apt to get an explosive flavor and one had better be careful with that kind if one is timid which i am not as i said also i am ready for a little more of life so i read on without fear and to be fair alfred had well boiled his own last paragraph it snapped and i jumped and gasped i almost thought i didn't quite like it and was going to read it over again to see when i saw a procession coming over from dr john's and i laid the boom down on the bench first came the red setter that is always first with dr john and then he came himself leading billy by the hand it was billy but the most subdued billy i ever saw and i held out my arms and started for him wait a minute please molly said the doctor in a voice he always uses when he is punishing billy and me billy came to apologize to you for being rude to your your guest he told me all about it and i think he is sorry tell mrs cutter you are sorry son when that man speaks to me as if i were just any old body else i hate him so it is a wonder i don't show it more than i do but there was nothing to say and i looked at billy and billy looked at me then suddenly he stretched out his little arms to me and the dimples winked at me from all over his darling face molly molly he said with a perfect rapture of chuckles in his voice now you look just as pretty as you do when you go to bed all whitey all over you can kiss my kiss-spot a hundred times while i beer hug you for that nice not-black dress and before any stern person could have stopped us i was on my knees on the grass kissing my fill from the kiss-spot on the back of his neck while he hugged all the starch out of the old white dress and dr john sat down on the bench quick and laughed out loud one of the very few times i ever heard him do it he was looking down at us but i didn't laugh up into his eyes i was afraid "'I felt it was safer to go on kissing the kiss spot for the present. "'Bill,' he said, with his voice dancing, "'that's the most effective apology I've ever heard. "'You were sorry to some point.' "'Then suddenly Billy stiffened right in my arms "'and looked me straight in the face "'and said in the doctor's own brisk tones, "'even with his cupid mouth set in the same straight line, "'I say I'm sorry, Molly, but bother that man, "'and I'll hit him yet.' "'What could we say? What could we do? We didn't try.' I busied myself in trying to string on billy's blouse that had come untied in the beer-hug and the doctor suddenly discovered the letter on the bench i saw him see it without looking in his direction at all and how many pounds are we nearer the scarlet runner's state of existence miss molly he asked me before i had finished tying the blouse in the nicest voice in the world fairly cracking his friendship and good humor and hateful things like that why should i have wanted him to get huffy over that letter is more than i can say but i did and he didn't over twenty and most of the time i'm so hungry i could eat aunt adeline i dream about billy fried with cream gravy i answered as i kissed again the back of the head that was beginning to nod against my breast long shadows lay across the garden and the white-headed old snowball was signalling out the dusk to a dorothy perkins rose down the walk in a scandalous way at best spring is just the world's match-making old chaperon, and ought to be watched i still sat on the grass and began to cuddle billy's bare knees in the skirt of my dress so that the nets couldn't get at them but miss molly isn't it worth it all asked the doctor as he bent over toward us and looked down with something wonderful and kind in his eyes that seemed to rest on us like a benediction you have been just as plucky as a girl can be and in only over two months you have grown as light-footed and hearty as a boy i think nothing could be lovelier than you are now but you can get off those other few pounds if you want to you know don't you that i've known how hard some of it was and i haven't been able to eat as much as i usually do thinking how hungry you are but isn't it all worth it i think it is alfred bennett is a very great man and it is right that he should have a very lovely life to go out into the world with him and as lovely as you are i think it is wonderful of you to make all this sacrifice to be still lovelier for him i am glad i can help you and it has taught me something to see how how faithful a woman can be across years and then in this smaller thing now give me bill and you get your apple and toast don't forget to take your letter out of the tube. i sat perfectly still and held billy tighten in my arms as i looked up at his father and then after it thought as long as i could stand it i spoke right out at him as mad as i could be and i don't to this minute know why nobody in the world ever doubted that a woman could be faithful if she had anything to be faithful to i said as i let him take billy out of my arms at last faithfulness is what a woman flowers only it takes a man to pick his posy with which i marched into the house and left him standing with billy in his arms i hope am found it i didn't look back to see i always leave that man's presence so mad i can never look back at him and wouldn't it make any woman rage to have a man pick out another man for her to be faithful to when she hadn't made any decision about it her own self i wonder just how old judge wade is I believe I will make up with aunt adeline enough before I go to bed to find out why he has never married end of leaf two. Recording by Ellie, July two thousand and nine.